this week on the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. One, two, three. We are going to talk about wrestling and Lincoln's connection to wrestling as a young man on the pioneer and what his legacy means. Great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition. Excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! Welcome to the sixth episode. Of the Rail Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. We are coming at you live from the land of Lincoln. I'm your co-host Jeremy. With me is co-host Nick. What's up? Sorry, mid-sip right there. Mid-sip. <laughs> I, uh, I, I put a little pause in myself just to catch Nick in the middle of a sip, just so we can mess with him a little bit. Um, I was wondering what that pause was for. When we originally sat down to make this podcast, we had a list of episode ideas, and Toward the top of the section of the list that was like fun shows was the wrestling show. And we definitely were like, let's, let, we're going to save that. Let's save it until we, have, we just need a fun episode. And we just couldn't wait. We're still early in the podcast. We're still in our first, you know, obviously in our first 10 episodes. But we just couldn't handle it. We had to, we had to get it out there. We had to get this one produced. Uh, mainly because who knows we might end up with with more who, who you know i don't know but um we had so much fun and such a positive feedback from our fearsome four-way is that what it is Fear, yeah fearsome four-way right fatal four-way Fair, fatal fatal four gosh uh the fatal four-way episode on the 1860 election they were like you know what people like that and our previous episode got a little heavy even though we thought it was going to be a fun episode also <laughs> uh, we got a little intense with some chatter about um, the legacy of the South. So um, we decided it's time to do the wrestling episode. And, and don't get this confused. We're, we're not doing this because we don't think this is going to run long. We're committed to this. Yes. Yeah, we're committed to make a long run. I, mean, you know, the old, I think a couple episodes, didn't we talk about our 50th? No, I think we, we talked about that off air. Oh, we may have. 50th yeah. episode about making a trip to D.C. and stuff. So... Um, you know, we're, we're committed to this. So this it, isn't, this is because it just felt right. This it felt right the right time I agree. to do the Lincoln wrestling episode. I agree. And, and I do want to mention that, um, we've, we've looked over the rail splitter budget numbers that DC one might have to be our hundredth episode. Oh. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Is there a teacher conference out there? The, the, we could, we could take advantage of a teacher conference or we could realize there is the Rail Splitter podcast before we had the wrestling episode, and then there's a Rail Splitter podcast after we had the wrestling episode, and this could be a turning point in the podcast history. Sponsorship. Sponsorship. I, I hear what you're saying. We may be on Raw. <laughs> is it still a thing? Dude, uh, on Raw a couple of weeks ago, maybe, I don't know, three a month, three weeks ago, a month ago, uh, LeVar Ball. Is wow. that the dad's name? Yeah, the kid? Yeah. yeah, he was on Raw. I mean, we're way more culturally relevant now, yeah. aren't we? I will make you a cheaper pair of shoes than he will. And they, I agree. They, they may not be as good. but And I can damn well bet there will be a guy with a sweet-ass beard and a stovetop hat. You got that right. So, Let's make that happen. Dude, that would be a killer shoe. Yeah, 
Aaron the, Lincolns. <laughs> Aaron Lincolns. I've always wondered, like, what were his boots actually like? You know, they're because he wore boots. Like he, you know, his, he was like he wasn't a very fashionable man by any means. So like you know, everybody said like he was in the White House. He, he would have like muddy boots on somehow. I don't know. I've always I just kind of want to be like him. So I kind of wonder that too. I, you know, I never. Really, I'm not. I don't look at shoes. I was just talking about. I this think the I other could day. pull off some Lincoln-esque boots. Like when people talk about like people's shoes, I cannot recall the last time I ever noticed a person's shoes on, or like what they were wearing on their feet. I, I'm currently wearing stilettos. No, I'm not. I have Asics running shoes on right now. So I don't understand. And I sorry. Do you have, let me guess. You have, do you have brown leather shoes on? No. Now, see, I don't. I must not pay attention either. Look at those. Those are. That's, oh, it's not leather. These are my uh, lawn mooring shoes right now. You, nice you mold, these are like loafers. He's wearing like laceless, like slip on kind of things. That he, that, that's wow. All right. I got a good look. You, right see, now not only like do you the, not only do you potentially learn a little about Abraham Lincoln, but you're going to learn a little about about the rail splitters, the rail splitter himself, and the rail splitters. Nick and I, whether you wanted to or not, you'll learn a little bit about it. Here, here's a little bit of knowledge. Typically, I, I think you're regarded as one of the better dressers in the school, and I'm regarded as one of the worst dressers, but yet I got best dressed when I was in high school. Did you really? That, that's a true statement. Wow. I am not that well-dressed, and I, and I hate to disparage our profession, but within the context of public education, it doesn't take much. I haven't bought a shirt in like four years. Dude, you should see the looks I get when I walk out on the west end of the building. Uh, everybody gets those. Uh, the high school is much split love, up into much two. Much love if y'all are listening. The high school is split up in two wings, just so you know, east and west. The east just sees me all the time. If, the if west were, doesn't really see me all the time. If it were north and south, this would fit in so well with this podcast. Like, well, just so you guys know. Just, just uh, follow Icky Tangy there's some, on Twitter. Yeah. You'll, you'll see how I look. So we have some sectionalism. So We also have a wrestling team. How's that for a segue? Ooh, nicely done. Uh, so I'm going to start by trying to provide a little bit of context from a historic standpoint into the whole wrestling thing. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons this gets blown out of proportion. I'm going to give this instant credibility real quick. Yeah. Lincoln is in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. And when I say that, I don't mean the WWE Wrestling Hall of Fame, which exists, but you can't find it on your GPS. The actual Wrestling Hall of Fame. So I just want to give this show wow. instant credibility. That is – so the actual like, like – Like there's a GPS location for the one Lincoln's in. Right. WWE has a Hall of Fame, but there is no location. Right. And, we, and we're not going to mention which president is in that Hall of Fame because there is a president <laughs> that's in that Hall of Fame. Uh, True story. 45. 45's in that Hall of Fame. 16's in the real Wrestling Hall of Fame, as he should be. Um, well known as a strong... And, and, and this is one of those things where I'm interested because people refer to it a lot, but there's an actual historic record that supports it. It's not like you know, like a campaign story or they wanted to make him sound like he was this strong guy. In New Salem, Illinois, in his early life, he was a total badass wrestler. And wrestling was like a thing then. It wasn't like now if you ask somebody to wrestle because you had a disagreement with them, it would be weird. A little out there. Um, but they had wrestling. <laughs> well, maybe uh, the world would be a better place, though. So. Right. And, and, and there's an interesting connection to our little show uh, because the Clary Grove boys were the, the group that Lincoln kind of had a little feud with. 
uh, Rail Splitter Nick went to Cary Grove High School. So if you take True the L, if you take True the story. L out, you're at his hometown. But nonetheless, in New Salem, Cary Grove is actually made up of two towns: Cary and Fox River Grove. I lived on the right side of the river, Cary. So just just to just clarify saying. that. Nick is big into the east-west divides right now. So um, two things. One, I want to talk about Lincoln's strength first. Like he was kind of known as. Here, I got an idea, actually. Let's break down just the the statistics of Lincoln. Okay. Let's break down the bio. So I I did a little research on this Mm -hmm. and and a little math. I'm a history teacher. You've done wow. Yeah. Bringing all the stops with the real spinner podcast. So Lincoln, six foot four. Mm-hmm. Average height at that time, five foot five, five foot six. I saw some variance on that. Sure. Um, so so then I started to calculate the math. So 2017, average height, five foot ten. Now. So wow. like if we were gonna compare Lincoln in present day times. Kind of using those ratios, you know, mm-hmm. all, you know, all that good math stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about. We put it in the Rail Splitter special calculator machine, and then uh, I came out with six foot ten. Wow, Based that's on fascinating. That. Okay, so his height equivalent, his two thousand, like there's like two thousand seventeen dollar equivalency adjusted for inflation. Yeah. So adjusted. Hopefully, I did the math right on this. Adjusted for HMO inspired growth. Yes. Uh, not HMO. That's right, right? Not HMO. Uh, HMO, isn't that like insurance? Yeah, what's the <laughs> GMO, genetically modified organisms, GMO, whatever, steroids. Well, I told you we needed your brother on this yeah, show. Yeah, exactly, my brother's a scientist. <laughs> um, so adjusted for inflation, he's 6'10". Yeah, that's how I calculate it. Interestingly. Uh, feel free to correct us on Twitter uh, later. Yeah, we are at RailSplitterPod on Twitter and Instagram. Someone needs to point out that would make Stephen A. Douglas average height. Back in the day, uh, yeah, right, five 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 six. He was five 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 six. I don't know. Can we make him four ten for the podcast? I don't think he was yeah. that short. We can make. A four. Hey, I do know Fillmore's height five foot nine. Really? Yeah. And I'll get back to Fillmore later. Total jobber. You know, let's just do it now. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, a jobber in wrestling terms is a guy who always loses. So you know, um, first of all, he became president back in the day when we didn't vote the ticket in. You know, um, well, I guess we did vote the ticket in, but like we don't have the primaries, right? right. So um, he's considered like one of those accidental presidents because yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last Whig president never got nominated after he mm-hmm. served, mm-hmm. Um, and then he did eventually run for presidential election as the Know Nothing Party, but lost it. So yep. job squad, yep, job squad for you, Miller Fillmore. That's right. Stephen uh, Douglas, five four, five four, just under average height. Yeah, what what's up with that then? I don't know. Yeah, Modern I mean, times. Yeah, adjusted for inflation. Lincoln made him the time. little giant. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I'll get back to Douglas Lincoln too later mm-hmm. and compare it to another great. So then he was 174 pounds, slender dude. Mm-hmm. So I adjusted this. I got like six ten to thirty pounds. I don't know if I was doing my math right on that, but okay, I, I think that that's fair though. Because you two, know what I did? Two thirty is not for a six ten guy. That's still pretty thin. Here's how I got the math on that. I, I took. <laughs> I figured out the inches for six foot four, and then I divided it by his weight, and then I oh. added, you know, the weight per inches. I think that's fair. And then, so scientifically, yeah. if you're a scientist listening to us, thank God because you get this instant credibility. <laughs> um, and then e- email us to correct calculations and all this. I think I think you're fair on all. Of that. So basically, what we're talking about here is a tall wrestler. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Tall wrestler. We talked about Lincoln's attire. A lot of Lincoln pitchers when he's the president. I mean, what's his color he's wearing? Dark, black, yeah. Yeah. And so, browns, probably a lot of browns. And, and he's got a hat, mm-hmm. the stovetop hat. Yeah. So I'm thinking, and this is before I read this WWE article, which we're going to tweet that out, the Ronald C. White yes. one. Yes, yes, for sure. All right. And this is before I read this. So okay. I'm thinking okay. in my head, I got to compare him to a modern-day wrestler so some of these you know, listeners know what I'm talking about. Sure. So I'm like, tall, all right. He wears all black. Mm-hmm. He's got the hat. Undertaker. Wow. Yeah, because he's also kind of got that, you know, macabre kind of era. I mean, he was a very jovial, outgoing guy, but he also kind of had that melancholy. You know, there's a book out, Lincoln's Melancholy, which gets into that pretty deeply. Um, yeah, and, I, and I and that. I looked at all the heights, all the weights, and I was thinking, and I looked through lists. I actually spent some time doing this for this podcast, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um, and that's that's the one that I think just best fits the mold. And I think as you go through the story here, which I think you're going to, yeah, um, on his fight with Armstrong, mm-hmm. I, I think his maneuver he pulls out is kind of a little bit similar. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and I, and I, I'll, sorry to interrupt. So from a historic standpoint, this is it's always interesting to see how historians research things that happened before people were on their path to prominence, right? Like Lincoln was not on his path to being famous. Yeah, we're talking young Salem. 20s right now? Yes. Am I correct? Yes. 22, 23? So this is the time, just to put it in perspective, born in Kentucky, spent some time in Indiana, moved over to Illinois, and as right after he got out from underneath the influence and um, guardianship of his father, he moved to New Salem, Illinois, not far from Springfield, where he was an assistant shopkeeper um, for a time. Uh, and then he ended up trying to kind of try his own hat at being self-employed, owning his own business, um, and then eventually kind of realized that the hourly wage, nickel and dime kind of jobs were not his bag and decided to pursue the law. Um, However, this is where he really starts to build relationships with the people of central Illinois as in New Salem. So he's the assistant shopkeeper and he's also the postmaster, which is an important Lincoln role because he um, started to work on his networking and his ability to relate to people and kind of started to build a framework of support that ended up kind of really being the bedrock of his political career, you know, obviously his law career as well. Um, But while there... Um, yeah, come on. Let's get to the as, rest. As a um, fairly visible and well-known figure in New Salem, he came across a the Clary Groves boy, Clary's Grove boys, and had some disagreements. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of Denton Offit, O F F U T T Offit, which in a <laughs> way. We need more Dentons in the Denton. world. Denton. Denton Offit. Offit, kind of a decent wrestling name. Like you could have get some sort it. of like, yeah, like yeah. the get off it could be some sort of move maybe. I don't know. Nick's the, uh, Nick's the wrestling guy. So um, he liked to make wagers on those kinds of things and kind of what the... the a betting man, huh? Yeah, a little, a little wager, a little gambler. Um, 
the way that it kind of worked back then is people would just kind of make bets on others. So you had Denton Offit, um, the Don King of his era. In a way, he bets $5, which is a lot of money, I suppose, with uh, Bill Clary that Abraham Lincoln could out-wrestle any challenger, including, dun-dun-dun, including Jack Armstrong. Jack Armstrong is the leader of the Clary's Grove Boys. Uh, reportedly, supposedly, Offit had won $50 in New Orleans earlier betting that Abraham Lincoln could lift a thousand pounds. There's no real story to back up how or if he did it, but the, there was kind of like this legend in New Salem that off it lift a thousand pounds. What, what type of lift? There's a lot of lifts out there. Just well, the the story around Lincoln doing these kinds of things, or that he had a unique, and this is lifelong, clearly had a unique combination of smarts and strength. Um, so there's like a, there's a real, real famous story of. Um, he had a friend who was involved deeply in gambling, and he told his friend, he's like, you got to stop gambling. Well, his buddy said, I can't stop gambling because he owed money <laughs> to this guy. He said, all right, tell you what, next time he comes in to collect his money, bet him $5 that I can drink from a full whiskey barrel. Yeah. So you know what those whiskey barrels look like, right? They're 44 gallons. 44 gallons. So this happens. His buddy says, all right, well, I don't have your money, but I'll bet you that, that Lincoln can drink out of this. And Lincoln developed a way that it was easier for him to lift it. He kind of hoisted it up on one leg. And this, by the way, not a joke, technical term, drank out of the, what's it called? A bunghole. Uh, <laughs> drank out of the bunghole. The bunghole's that hole in the side of a barrel. What's the cork that goes inside of it? That's the bung. I learned this at a brewery tour in Milwaukee. Just therefore, like, bunghole. Therefore, bunghole. So he hoisted up this full barrel of whiskey. <laughs> Is this at the Miller? Because that would explain their product. No, it was at the, you know, it was at Lakefront, which I highly recommend, by the way. Um, he hoisted it up and drank, uh, some, drank whiskey out of a full whiskey barrel, and he spit it out. He didn't drink it. When I was reading this, though, the first time, I missed the word from. And I said, and it, I'm like, and I read, he made a bet he could drink an a full whiskey barrel. Oh, like, oh man, <laughs> that's so, the, that's ill advice. It was from a, so he drank from a full. So, so he lifted 44 gallons and drank from it. Uh, like him lifting up a wooden keg yes. for our college listeners and drinking out of it, like where you would right. tap it. Right, but didn't actually drink it, boys and girls. He spit it out. So he's kind of building a reputation for. Strong man, but he was also able to be, use his cunning and his cleverness to kind of create easier ways to do it. And th these type of stories came up all throughout his life because supposedly there's a story towards the end of his life where he was visiting some troops. He picked up the heavy axe, chopped some wood, and then had it, held it straight out horizontally without even quivering is the quote I saw out there. Um, and then none of the soldiers could do what he did. Right. And then this was literally at the end of this towards the end of the Civil War. So yes. these how true are all these? I mean, I think we already kinda alluded to that that it's hard to verify a lot of this stuff. Um The way I read the soldier one was that he was kind of just doing it like wondering if he still could. Yeah, what that out there showing off like because he used to do that stuff all the time. Um he's like, Oh, I wonder if I still got it in me and he and he did it and they were pretty amazed i i can tell you this a couple years ago we went camping and jeremy boyce brought an axe i did 
and he could not hold it straight out without quivering. Of course not. I am no rail splitter. Um, but Blair Lemons, under the magic power of, um, God, what was his drink? Orange vodka and Sprite. Yep, orange vodka and Sprite could do it. Just wanted to throw that out. Ironically called the lemons. We, so we need to get Blair None of here. our, very we, few of our listeners understand that reference, but it was an awesome day. Uh, maybe we need to bring Blair Lemons on there to give us some context. I think so. We need a guest on this show. So anyway, to bring it back, we have Lincoln, local strongman, his boss saying, I will put him up against any wrestler, including Jack Armstrong. So basically when you say any wrestler, what you're saying is in New Salem at the time. He could be Jack Armstrong because there was no other, you know, there were other wrestlers. But if you say any challenger, obviously you're talking about the best. And in this case, the best was Jack Armstrong. He was, he's like the guy with the belt. Yes. He's the champ. And his manager, well, I guess Lincoln's manager is out there saying, you could take him. Right, right. So um, Jack Armstrong, keep in mind, he, they liked him so much that he was, they actually used to call him Salem's Glory. So, like, these wrestling matches were not small things. Like, obviously, if you have a nickname like Salem's Glory in New Salem, they were pretty proud of him as, as a, a wrestler. They said he's wiry as a wildcat, a man that can never be thrown, which means beaten in wrestling, and we believed he can never be thrown, so everybody supported him. The thing with Armstrong, though, which happens a lot throughout wrestling history is, he had a crew. He had a stable. Mm-hmm. That's what we call a crew in the wrestling world, a stable. Ric Flair, for a lot of those who listen, the Four Horsemen was his stable. Other stables were Degeneration X, Evolution, um, the Million Dollar Corporation, which I will tie into this later. But Jack Armstrong did have a stable. Does the Constitutional Union Party count as a stable? <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that. Okay, John Bell, I don't think is much of a wrestler. <laughs> Breckenridge? None of those guys had a stable? Uh, no, Breckenridge no. didn't need a stable. I mean, yeah, he's too good he, looking. Yeah, he is. You know who couldn't get a stable who wish he did? Fillmore. Yeah, that's right. Take take that, Fillmore. Anyway, um, so interesting, I think, and I say interesting in this podcast to me too. We do listen to these episodes to try to get better, and I notice I say interesting all the time. But things are interesting to me. I'm a curious person. Um so Lincoln, Armstrong's all about it because this is what Armstrong is, right? He's the wrestler guy. He's well-known. He, you know, his his the reputation. Champ. Yeah, the champ, right? The champ is here. He's not going to back down. Lincoln, not very excited. Not a huge enthusiastic speech with, uh, what's that guy's name, Gene or whatever. Uh, mean Gene. Mean Gene. You don't see Lincoln going with Mean Gene. And Dude. training. Great <laughs> Hogan videos of Mean Gene training. <laughs> so Lincoln's not into it, but he kind of reluctantly says, you know, whatever, we'll do it. Um, so, dude, I was just thinking, I, dude, like I'm uber nerdy in this show. Like I'm a Lincoln fan. Yes. I'm on the Lincoln podcast. I'm a co-host of it. Yes. And then now like I'm tying into wrestling and like getting excited about this. Like I might be the world's biggest nerd. Nerd's almost a complimentary term now. I might be the world's biggest dork (laughs) is (laughs) what's happening here. You know, I think it's. It's never nerdy when you share the interest. Like, I share your interest in Lincoln, so I don't think it's nerdy. People who don't share it, like, we get the weirdest looks from people who don't really have an appreciation for Lincoln. Like, wait a minute, so you have an Abraham Lincoln podcast? I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. They're like, 
you know, they look at me, I'm like, then don't listen. But, you know, it's like so out there for people. And like, I don't watch wrestling and I'll be honest, it is a little weird to me. So this confluence of interests, I think you're kind of dorky. Do you, do you have, uh, do you have these names? Because we'll stone cold stun their asses. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to say no on the names. I'm, I'm sworn to secrecy. So Lincoln, we got the Lincoln Armstrong showdown. Lincoln's actually kind of known more of a peacemaker. Um, he's kind of known throughout. New Ironically, Salem. him, him, and his buddy Russell, uh, Russell Godby. And I'll be honest, I'm pulling a lot of this information from Michael Burlingame's Abraham Lincoln: A Life, which is my go-to Lincoln book for anything you need to know. Uh, but he was kind of known as somebody that would go break up the fight, break up the row, as he would say. Um, and you get a lot of that though in WWE. Guys will come out there sure. and like you know help their buddies out and put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, a small little guy, a little giant, ain't gonna stop a fight. <laughs> no, you got that right. So um, the day of the match, you have a large crowd. Basically, everybody in town's coming up. There's about 24 or 48 hours of publicity I read going yep. into it. So oh, it's they, they were deal. selling it. They were selling it's it. It's a big deal. This is like a, they were hustling. This is like Ali Frazier of New Salem. You know, this is like uh, Tyson Holyfield, Hogan uh, Giant. WrestleMania yeah, three. Sorry, I switched sports on you. Um, of New Salem, and it was generally understood that Armstrong was stronger and more experienced as a wrestler, but adjusted for inflation, Lincoln six ten. You know, he's six foot four. They never. Most people have never even seen anybody that tall. So Armstrong has more experience, but he's got to figure out how do I wrestle somebody who's six foot four. Armstrong was about a half a foot shorter. Mm-hmm. At least a half a foot shorter than Lincoln. Right. So he's he's big, right? Like that's he's above average in height. He's a Armstrong's a big guy. He's probably used to being the bigger and taller wrestler. Now he's in a situation where Lincoln's, you know, he's lanky and tall. He's got a big reach. So, you know, and this is not boxing or MMA or anything like that. They've gotta they've gotta throw the person. Well, Lincoln's going in as an underdog, I think. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean he's not knowing you know. He's this tall, skinny guy. We got Armstrong, who's got the record, you know, built up over time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's definitely going in as underdog, and it's despite him having the height advantage. Right. So they fight. They sorry, they don't fight. They wrestle. Um, and what ends up happening, I'm going to let Nick talk about the specifics a little bit about it. But in the match, Armstrong ends up winning because he did a hold that was not. Legal. Oops, sorry, I just bumped my mic. Um, it was not legal. It was legal and scuffling, but they weren't scuffling. They were wrestling. And if you were in 1825, you would understand that. I don't know the difference between the two, but apparently, imagine this, Nick. The guy named Armstrong cheated. <laughs> oh, Lance. <laughs> so the guy named Armstrong, Jack Armstrong, cheated, did a hold that was not legal, ended up beating Lincoln. And basically, he. In modern day wrestling, it's the low blow. Yes. The ref's back's turn, low blow. Mm-hmm. Bam, guy falls down to cover up for the quick one, two, three. Right. So bring us in the wrestling angles. How, how, how would that play out? Oh, so Armstrong goes for the low blow. Bam, hitting the baby face. All right. In wrestling terms, you have what is known as the good guy bat. Well, we all know. From watching TV, all the different shows, there's good guys, there's bad guys, heroes, villains. In wrestling, your good guy, hero, is a face. 
and your bad guy villain is to heal. So basically what Armstrong did is he healed it up here. Because Lincoln's going in, typically underdogs, especially in America and in wrestling, mm-hmm. we love the underdog, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who's coming in with no chance, inexperience, you know, kind of, you know, Rocky Balboa, man. We, we love that stuff. So Lincoln's coming in this. He, he's the face, and Armstrong just pulls typical heel move. He goes low blow on Lincoln. Bam, steals the win. And what does Lincoln do? He grabs the son of a bitch up. And basically holds him, like literally like choking him out, choke slam Undertaker style. <laughs> a choke slam, for those of you who don't know, you grab a guy by his neck and you lift him off the feet and you hold him as high as possible. Usually it ends with like a slam on the ground. Um, but, you know, we'll say the Undertaker modified it. Mm-hmm. Lincoln's literally holding him up and then his stable, uh, the boys, you know, the Clary boys, um, come over there, basically try to do it. And then we have a moment here where the heel almost goes tweener. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the heel calls off his stable because what Lincoln did is he won Armstrong's respect there. Mm-hmm. So Armstrong basically calls off the stable and gives Lincoln the ultimate show of respect. And I believe from one of the accounts I was reading, there was a handshake at the end of it all. Right. And there's various accounts, there's various accounts about what happened. Um, one is that one that Nick just provided. Another yes. is, it, it's really, like I was actually involved in a similar situation where, and in I am fight, at work. In a fight? Yeah. Well, in the nature of my work, sometimes that school fights break out, right? And part of my job is to break them that up. That chokes me. And oftentimes we have to find out what happened, right? And no one ever remembers the situation the same way. So like thinking about this from historic, from a history standpoint, especially in a small town type of thing, everybody probably saw something different and swears it was the truth because in their mind's eye, it was the truth. So, And then where, where are you pulling your account from? I'm pulling this from Michael Burlingame. Okay. I'm pulling mine from a Ronald C. White article that came out. Right. And I, and I will point out, I've read both of them. Uh, R- Ronald White wrote A. Lincoln, which we mentioned two, pod- two episodes ago. Yep. Uh, brilliant. Great. A. Lincoln is a great biography. I recommend it highly. Um, Abraham Lincoln, A Life, um, another great one. That's the two-volume, two-million-word book by Michael Burlingame. Um, He describes that piece as, at that point, a general fight broke out, but Lincoln fearlessly quelled the threat. So it kind of mirrors the same. Quelled. Talk about the sissiest word, sounding word you could ever have. I don't know, man. Quelled. If I if I held a guy up off the ground, and they asked me what happened, be like, let's just say I quelled the threat. Jim Ross is never going to use quelled. He's the greatest uh, wrestling announcer ever, to sure record. So, uh, I agree. Um, so Lincoln quelled. So basically, there was a general fight. And, and, you know, in situations like that, very very rarely are you going to get an accurate account of what happened. There's not a court reporter taking notes, and there's certainly no security footage. So here's what we know, though: Lincoln held his own. For, for absolutely, we know that. And it seems, by most accounts, that Armstrong cheated in some nature, bended I th- the rules. I th- that's a common thread to all of the accounts of the story and every biography I've ever read and everything we did in our research for the show. All of the accounts acknowledge Armstrong cheated. And then another thing that is true, maybe the handshake isn't, but the fact that afterwards they do become lifelong friends. There was respect created between the two of them. And another thing that we know is that Lincoln did become the lawyer for Armstrong's son 
um, I believe it was in a murder trial, and he was there to um, basically help defend him. That's true. That's true. Um, and, and he was found not guilty. Yeah. Well, of course, he had the best lawyer in the history of time. Um, I, this, this incident, and we're kind of half-joking with this episode, and we're hoping you're having fun with it, because um, we certainly are. Uh, but it was it was formative in Lincoln's life because, in a weird way, these things were very political. I mean, like, if you're in with the Clary's Grove boys, that helps you, could help you if you're trying to be a politician. But it's also kind of one of those groups where it could hurt you, right? Um, in machine politics at the lowest level, and, you know, that's kind of what this group could have been looked at. John Todd Stewart who's actually, I think, kind of an underrated figure in Lincoln's life, um, was a mentor and... JTS. JTS, John Todd Stewart. Um, JTS. I believe, and I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's a distant, it's kind of a relative of Mary Todd, you know, and that's I believe that's how Lincoln um, met his wife, but we'll get probably to that in a different episode. But anyway, John Todd Stewart, who was Lincoln's first law partner, uh, in Springfield, was was obviously very familiar with the situation. He called this the turning point in Lincoln's life. He talked about how, and the way that the story was in this one was that Lincoln acknowledged that um, that Armstrong cheated, didn't make a big deal of it, kind of accepted the loss in the match. And shook his hand and gained the respect of the Clary's Grove Boys. So he kind of gains the respect without being come, becoming one of them. This is a common thread in WWE. <laughs> um, Jeff Hardy once had a classic match with The Undertaker, uh-huh. which he lost. So sometimes, especially in wrestling, you know, if you put a good, hard fought and the story's told right, the loser comes out ahead sometimes of the actual winner depending on how that story is told. Right. And I think another thing is this provided another story avenue to build the legacy of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of, we talked about this a couple episodes too, kind of like how they took that rail splitter idea and kind of embellished it to really sell the man. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of times when you do that stuff, you actually take in a real event and then you just use it and kind of, you know, over-exaggerate it more to help sell the story. Right. And this... That is a, like a, an excellent parallel to what actually happened, um, because I mean, again, we're half joking about the WWE implications, but the the way that story is told is the same way that his political career starts, because he gains the exception acceptance of this group of hooligans, right? Which at the time and on its face doesn't look like that big of a deal, but he be, he starts to earn a reputation as somebody that's not going to back down from a fight, somebody who can speak the language is tough, can hold his own, but at the same time is cool about it. He's fair. He's he's not going to cheat. Yet he's tolerant of other people's impurities, right? He like he's around cheaters, doesn't cheat himself, but doesn't call those people out. That that's the kind of person you want to be around, right? Um, nobody likes a cheater, but nobody else, nobody likes a whiner. You know, he took his loss. And, and moved on, and he, and he shook hands about it. And, and it's interesting because they started to, they respected his fairness so much that they started to bring him in as a judge for the little wagers because they would have races and fights and whatever else. And Michael Burlingame, to quote him directly, said, 
The popularity he thus gained helped lay the foundation for his political career. That's a pretty powerful statement about a little wrestling match in New Salem. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think what we're learning here is besides that Lincoln was a badass, is uh, wrestling is hugely significant to American history. In this case, it is. I mean, to say, to make the statement, and this is like the one of the, if not the most respected Lincoln scholars out there. We're not Lincoln scholars. We're Lincoln enthusiasts, but we are students of Lincoln, right? To me, I have a Lincoln poster in my classroom. Right. Um, Michael Burlingame says that that this helped lay the foundation for his political career. So if that foundation were not laid in the manner that it was... You know what happens if Lincoln doesn't get elected to the state legislature? It's over. We don't. We're not. We don't even know who he is. We're not talking about him. To right play now. devil's advocate, did this guy write two million words about Lincoln? He wrote two million words. Yeah, so he did say a lot. He said a lot of things, but that's a pretty bold statement, right? He um, probably made many. Like it, you write two million words, probably a lot of bold statements. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean, it's not like. But Ronald not, C. White did not write two million things, and he right. did lay out a nice article. He did. He so. did. I mean, he he wrote just like a nice little handy five hundred pager. I'm just giving um, you a hard time. Right? I know. Um, but they helped him uh, by voting for him in every election except for when he actually ran for Congress. But he won that one, so that's okay. You've you gotten a lot more in this episode. When you texted me earlier today, um, like the saying you were you were pumped for this, basically yeah. research. You, you weren't kidding, man. Yeah. Um, and, it, and I think there's also a, a, an element of this that speaks not just to Lincoln but to politics in general. Um, these these groups were common in small town America, at, you know, in the mid nineteenth century, early to mid nineteenth century. They're called butcher knife boys, like the basically these gangs of. That's a badass name. Yeah, like they're this, these kind of ruffians, I guess. Like they just kind of, I guess. I mean, it's kind of, I guess, like the eighteen twenties or thirties equivalent of of a fairly good natured street gang, I guess. I don't know, like, um, but they're politically active. Um, and Burlingame at least claims that they were essential to getting someone elected. Like, you could not get elected unless you were in good with the Clary's Grove boys. Uh, and Lincoln, which I think is kind of reflective of his whole career, gets in with these bad guys in a way without getting in with them. Like, he wins their favor, he wins their support in elections, but he doesn't actually join them. He doesn't actually participate in the bad kind of stuff they do he's not beating anybody up it's always a fair fight um and as burlingame points out lincoln won their support without sharing their enthusiasm for drinking their gander pulling or any general mayhem that would that was a tribute and that was a tribute to his remarkable capacity for making and keeping friends so here's a bunch of guys that like to drink and rabble rouse lincoln becomes their friends and doesn't drink her rabble rouse. You know, this kind of comes back to something we talked about a few episodes ago with the Wide Awake Boys. Mm-hmm. Like those Wide yes. Awake groups yes. out there. So this is probably like almost a precursor to some of those groups that he ended up winning over who were very, I don't want to say militant, but they came across as a militant group, you know, very outspoken, loud, rambunctious almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just had a way to always connect with them. It's right. kind of, I think something that Lincoln did a good job as much as you could back in those days, he was good at getting a grassroots campaign going for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you see that a lot, right? And and I think, I think it speaks it speaks to him as a person, but I also think it speaks to his 
ability to assess people and assess situations. Like, I think he knew what, what was going on. Like, he was smart enough to set his emotions aside, and I think this is what makes a brilliant politician. He gets cheated in a fairly high stakes at the time, or at least relative to where he was in his life. A fairly high stakes situation, he gets cheated. But he has the foresight to say, not that big a deal. If I make it a big deal, I'm out with the Clary's Grove boys, and I sound like a whiner, and the fight's already lost. So he understands, and he becomes, and he earns this reputation for being just a fair, mild-mannered, intelligent person, but also has the edge of he wrestled really well. I think he was a realist, and he, you know, like I think you could look at presidents as idealist and realist. I think Lincoln's a realist. Whereas he understood the situation, he knew how to read people well, and then I think that just comes into play in all of this here yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I you, agree. You know, and then going back to the Undertaker tie, you know, and Lincoln had many rivals over the years. Mm-hmm. His greatest rival, probably Douglas, towards the end of both of their careers. That's like the HBK Undertaker match from uh, the the saga, the WrestleMania saga that they had, just tying it back to the, you know a little bit WWE. Yeah. Let me ask you this: mm-hmm. If you had to name Lincoln's finishing move, what would you name it? The Emancipator. Wow, that just came to me. I don't even know. I, I also thought really. That. Oh, that's I just I didn't even think about it. We did not plan that. That's the Emancipator. I mean, well, what an idiot. The Rail Splitter, obviously. Ooh, that would be good too. Rail splitter was probably better, especially we probably should have said that right off the bat and only yeah. said that, yeah. being that this podcast is called Rail Splitter. And that's like way more of a tough move. Like, if somebody would say, like, how would it feel to have the, the rail splitter done to you in a wrestling ring? That would suck. The Emancipator, like, I think that would be nice. Like, I'm in a headlock and <laughs> the Emancipator comes. Like, perhaps that would be nice. So, catchphrase. A lot of these wrestlers, you know, Stone Cold has, that's the bottom line. Oh, you know, wow. you smell what the rock's cooking. What would Lincoln's be? Wow. With that's malice really towards none. With malice toward none. That could probably work, actually. It's so, it's that's so, nice it's like so peaceful. Yeah. I, agree, I agree. Like, Maybe but that's, that's, all, that's the whole point of this like little escapade, whatever, this incident episode with Jack Armstrong. Like, you know, he enters into a shady kind of engagement and comes out with a reputation for fairness and for being a good person. Like, a microcosm of his whole life. You know, he... It's like he, Kurt Angle. He was a president... Like, there's that line, and I know we always bring up the movie, and I try not to bring that up as, like, the source of my knowledge on Lincoln. Hey, we didn't bring it up last episode. I don't think we did, but... We brought up the vampire. You did. Now you brought up again. Now that's six. Yeah, thank you. Uh, But there's that line that um, Jackie Earl Haley, I believe is the actor's name, who's actually a really, really good actor, but um, he plays Alexander Stevens, who's not a really, really good person by any stretch. Um, But they're having that meeting about potentially brokering a peace and he asked Lincoln how many how many men have died under your administration right so like Lincoln has this reputation and we're obvious or at least I'm an obvious subscriber to it of being this force for healing this force for with malice toward none this force for doing what's right and led the country through and made decisions that led to the deaths of thousands of people right so you know how how does he have this like when you say what's his tagline and i can't think of any badass violent wrestling tagline because he's 
I feel he's but, a figure of love, you know. Like, you smell what the rock cooking, I don't think, is. No, but kind of. I mean, but like nobody says, like, when he's making a decision to fire someone, it's not like he's going to go in there and be like, I know what I can tell this guy, you know. It just happened. I don't know. So I was looking. Uh, there's some other uh, presidents known for wrestling. Really? George Washington. Yeah. This is coming from a Sports Illustrated article I came across. George Washington was supposedly like a school champ. Andrew Jackson's name came up. Zachary Taylor. Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. Chester A. Arthur. I was kind of shocked by Me that too. one. Me too. He was kind of like known as a kind of proper. He was kind of known as like, oh, crap, I'm the president. This I think it was offensive at the time. They called him a dandy. I th- that feels like I'm being offensive, yeah. like I'm using some sort of slur, but I don't mean to. This, this next one won't surprise you. And we might have to get our good buddy Chris Burns on for this. Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, and I shout out to Burns, but I believe that's probably accurate. I'm sure he was a wrestler. And you, you know Teddy Roosevelt would take his family out, and they would walk in a straight line, and they would climb whatever obstacle. Obstacles in the way. They could like go out in the woods. They and couldn't. That was, they couldn't veer that was like their thing. That was like you can't veer. You just go in a straight line, climb over it. So, and then Teddy. I mean, he, well, oh, okay, you're not president anymore. What are you gonna do? Oh, let's go to the Amazon. Yeah, you know. He almost, um, yeah, he almost died too. Yeah. And then the guy who I think who might be the champ of all these were like in a Royal Rumble, William Taft. Okay. Kind William like Taft is known for being pretty nimble on his feet. Yeah. Um, you know, having some dance moves, actually, too. Yeah. yeah. And he had a, had a move called the Flying Mark, where he would toss somebody, basically. So, um, and a large man. He was a large man. Um, I I want to uh, mention a book real quick, just because it, it um, fits right into this. I read a book. It was like a steampunk kind of alternative history called The Great Abraham Lincoln Pocket Watch Conspiracy. Um, it was a super fun read. Um, it was written by a name by Jacobo della Carcia, I believe that's how you say that. Um, and the plot of the story was Robert Todd Lincoln uh, is on like this. He's on William Howard Taft's staff. And he's kind of like a really highly respected member of the staff. And Taft is exactly what you're talking about. Super quick and nimble and like total, total tough guy. But also they like, they're in like, like Zeppelin. (laughs) It's weird. Like, and there's like a robot. Like Zeppelin, like a flying blimp. Yeah. They're in a flying blimp that has like a full White House in it. It's actually, the way I'm describing, the way I'm describing this book is like. What's this called? The Great Abraham Lincoln Pocket Watch Conspiracy. This is an uh, actual book? And this is Wikipedia, which I never quote, but the plot follows President William Howard Taft, scientist and son of former President Robert Todd Lincoln, uh, Secret Service Chief John Wilkie, and uh, Captain and Major Archibald Butt as they slowly unravel a worldwide conspiracy over a decade in the making. And the conspiracy is around, it's kind of like a, Knights Templar, Da Vinci Code kind of conspiracy around the magic in Abraham Lincoln's pocket watch. Dude, we got to reach out to this guy on Twitter, the author. Oh, yeah, he's great. I'm reading another book called License to Quill, which is historic fiction about... Quill, that damn word again. License to Quill. Not Quell, Quill. Oh, okay. License to Quill, which is about... Too many old styles. It's about about Shakespeare and his involvement in the Guy Fawkes plan, so... (laughs) Um, But... uh, 
Yeah, it's it was a fun read. You're the social media wizard, so you need to reach out to this dude. We need to get him on. I will. Yeah, I'll talk. I grant this has nothing to do. With, oh, well, I guess. Yeah, yeah the it great, does, it's it called the Great Abraham Lincoln Pocket yeah. Watch Conspiracy, and Taft is the main character, and he is kind of a tough guy. Um, yeah, so it's uh, that I would recommend that book if you're looking for a fun spinoff Lincoln read, which I was. That was between biographies and deep stuff, so I picked that one up. You know. This is going to be a later podcast podcast episode. I know it's going to be uh, facing off Lincoln against some of these other president slash wrestlers mm-hmm. um, down the road. But right now, looking at the list that I just mentioned, uh, I think Taft is the one who's going to give Lincoln his biggest uh, biggest challenge. Yeah, you mentioned the three. It's Washington and TR, but Taft. Yeah. Um, anyway, don't mess that. Jackson, Taylor, Grant. I can't no, believe Arthur's no, on this list. No, no. Arthur Jackson sucks. No. I, I got to look into more of this Chester A. Arthur. No way, business. dude. He was like, no, dirty. he's not going to win. I don't think he's, he's going to win. Bribes. Like, well, no. like he panicked. Like he like locked himself in the house when he knew he was going to become president. Yeah, no. For like two weeks, he was he he was like the lowest. He was like he was like in the bribery job in New York. Oh yeah, and like he just represented that. New York machine, like no sweet sideburns though, and like that yeah. he had the sideburns into the mustache, didn't he? If I'm correct, yeah, yeah. I, I like to call those chops. Um, Sumner, All Charles right. Sumner, brilliant sideburns. Um, we we we've gone off the rail here. We tend to do that the last two episodes. Um, I want to mention we splitted it, but we've gone off just because I was reading this reading that chapter in Michael Perlingame's book. Um, so Lincoln established himself as a very fair person after being cool with Armstrong, um, so he gets to judge a lot of stuff. Well, he judges, and I apologize. I, I'm a vegetarian, so I feel like I can, I get, you know, I can talk about a cockfight without being offensive. I can't. I apologize to animal rights activists out there, but uh, Lincoln officiated a cockfight between this guy named Bab McNabb. Bab McNabb. That how, is like the ultimate wrestler name. Yeah. How is that not a wrestler name? Bab McNabb's rooster was pitted against Tom Watkins' rooster, so Lincoln tosses the two combatants into the ring, and Bab McNabbs shunned the challenge, wouldn't fight. Um, and his furious owner leaped into the pit because Bab McNabbs' rooster for the cockfight was like big, bright colors, powerful-looking bird. Lincoln throws him in, and he won't fight. He doesn't do anything. Um he just kind of walked around, and the other bird was trying to get at him, and he just wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't wouldn't engage. Um, so McNabb apparently said, and I'm reading this from Burlingame, Merrickly apparently yelled at the bird, you little cuss, you are great on dress parade, but you ain't worth a damn in a fight. And Lincoln remembered the incident years later, and in exasperation he likened General George B. McClellan to McNabb's rooster. Nice. Nicely done there. So whether or not that actually happened, I really like, and that was one thing that I really liked about Burlingame's book, that story is a really Lincoln thing to do. Like, you know, we're, we're frustrated because McClellan won't fight, and then he's going to be like, Bab McNabb, blah, 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 you know, and then like people like Stanton are in the room like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> Why are you talking about a rooster? We, we're sitting on the peninsula outside richmond doing nothing and you're talking about a rooster but like he would have done something like that but like let me tell you about this guy Bab Bab McNabb. McNabb <laughs> and his 
rooster. Yeah, I, I was gonna you, go. Yeah, the, yeah, I know the, the wrong way. The cockfight. I didn't. Cockfight thing. So, but yeah, I, you know that that's one thing I like about Burling Game, and obviously I kind of stole a lot from him for this episode. But he does do a great job of drawing that line from why the Jack Armstrong fight. Well, damn, dude, you got two million words to work with. You better be able to draw <laughs> some lines. When I first read that, I'm like, oh, two million, that can't be that bad. That's a lot. <laughs> it takes a long time to read that. So, um, I think uh, this week in Lincoln, you got something. What were you thinking? I, I was thinking the Ronald White article where we got the the Lincoln with the belt. Uh, that's great. That's a great This Week in Lincoln. So part of our source material for this episode was an article. Um, and let me, I, I want to give credit where credit is due, but Ronald C. White wrote this article. For WWE, I believe it like was. For them, like the real Yeah, the real I deal. believe so. And um, one of my favorite Twitter accounts I believe was the one that kind of turned me on to that. Um, but anyway, talk a little bit about Ronald C. White's article. Like, what did you find from that? Uh, I thought the article was great. I mean, they did a nice job. It was on WWE Networks uh, or WWE.com. So they had to tie in uh, WWE with it. So um, they did draw the comparison with Undertaker. And before I read the whole article, I had already made that comparison. Um, you probably not believe me at all, but um, which is fair and understandable. Um, but yeah, you just did a nice job kind of laying out the story there, kind of what we said, um, very similar to what we said. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of an interesting read, fun read, you know, kind of what all about this week in Lincoln's about how Lincoln kind of gets wrapped up in popular culture. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, you know, WWE has a little bit of a niche there in popular culture. It varies to how popular it is at times, but, um, wrestling fans, are definitely a loyal fan base. And I just want to say, we do know the WWE is fake wrestling. Um, we, we understand that. So, um, for those of you who watch Star Wars, which we do, we also understand that's fake. And many of the hey, TV hey, shows hey, that hey. we all watch are hey, fake, hey. but we enjoy yeah. it for the storytelling that it gives us. Right. So, right. Right. Oh, I'm not bad mouth of Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. And, and talk all. a little bit about the image that's with that. Uh, the image is, uh, a Lincoln definitely a lot thicker than what he was in real life. So, like, like, does he have a gut thicker or like? No, no, we're talking about like define muscle, and with the John Cena belt, which I'm not a big fan of. The John Cena championship belt is a belt where the middle actually spins. Okay. So I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of the traditional. Bam! There's no gimmick to it. This right. is just solid WWE championship material. Um, this belt on there, so um, it's a great picture. We'll tweet it out once we find it. And uh, you find that Twitter account where you got it from yet? Uh, I believe this was from Civil War Fangirl, who's at Miss Bellatrix. She's got a great Twitter account. I believe she was only retweeted. I wasn't able to find the actual tweet itself, but she tweets stuff like this all the time, and I'm like 99% sure that I robbed it from her or maybe a conversation that she was having with someone else. But um, she's got a great Twitter account. I don't even know if she listens to the show. I kind of reached out to her and said she should because I was following Civil War fans on um on twitter but um i will say there's something i've been exposed to by doing this podcast there is quite the civil war social media um community out there mm -hmm. um and it's great and we talked about this i think last episode we're trying to create a community here yep we want a lincoln community where we could talk um you know um spitball ideas off each other debate each other about it so please take chances to email us um, you know, DM us on Twitter, Insta, um, whatever Insta. Isn't that what the kids call it now? I Instagram. Think so. 
So we're out there on social media. Um, feel free to rate us on there. Um, are we going to read a rating right now? Yeah, um, we have one. Uh, right now we have three ratings on iTunes. So I hope Get we... your ratings up there before we get too many yeah. and we can't read them all. So this is the weirdest review maybe we'll get. I kind of like this review. I like it a lot. It makes me feel good. Me too. It's uh, it's by a user named Gast Fedora Lock. I don't know what that means. Uh, the title is awesome. The description is is cool. I suppose the period best period ever. Period is the title of the review, and the review says, "Are you ready for the best ever?" It says, "Don't know what they're talking about, but it sounds amazing." Ironically, we don't know what we're talking about either, and oh, we're just glad it sounds amazing. No, uh, thank you for that review. It was a five-star review. Um, we try as hard as we can uh, to make this accessible to everyone, from the Lincoln novice to the Lincoln expert. Hopefully, everybody finds something that's interesting. Um, we're somewhere in the middle, and we just want to make a show that everybody likes. And we're going to have shows like this, episode six, where we're a little wrestling heavy, and we're going to have shows where... Episode three, I think, where we got really deep into um, some content and kind of Lincoln and analysis of some of his speeches. So, um, or just the speech, the House Divided one, I believe, is right. episode three. Yep. yep. So we're going to vary it up there. So hopefully, kind of come along for the ride. Please give us feedback. Do not hesitate to. Um, was there an email address for us? Yes, we're at the Rail Splitter Podcast, all one word, the Rail Splitter Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and that's also we're at Rail Splitter Pod, all one word at uh, at Rail Splitter Pod on Twitter and on Instagram, same handle. Um, we're we're getting a lot of feedback, which we appreciate on both of those forums. Um, show ideas are always welcome too. You know, if you could uh, let us know an idea for uh, an episode, that would be great. Yeah, we want to build a community. So if there's people out there, a bunch of people in the community thinking of other stuff um, that they want to talk about, share it with us. We'll love to chit chat about it. So. And, and I think our goal here is in the near future is to look to get some guests on the show and, and just continue to build this community that we're doing. That's right. It's it's all about community. So ideas for this week in Lincoln, ideas for episodes. Uh, if you disagree with us, think we're full of it, please let us know. Uh, we won't wrestle you, uh, but we'd love to hear about your ideas about that as well. So, um, yeah, this week was a little wrestling heavy, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. I hope I hope you did too. You brought uh, a lot more of this table than I thought you were. You got into this. I, uh-huh. I did. You know, I read up a little bit on it. It was fun. I enjoyed yeah. it. So I'm impressed. Any concluding thoughts, Nick, for this week's episode? No. I'm just glad we got another one in the bag here. All right. And then we're going to keep chugging along. All right. We will see you for episode seven next week. And please continue to treat everyone with malice toward none and with charity for all.